now, back to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 718. Hey, coming up in a little bit, Dr. Eric Hoskins uh, played a real-life doctor today. We'll tell you about what he did and give him credit where it's due. That's coming up uh, around 745. Uh, The province has hired its uh, tattletale crew, and they're ready to name and shame businesses, it says, are not playing within the spirit of the law. Uh, But as you know, uh, we have learned here at Global News Radio that apparently they may want to investigate themselves first because businesses trying to adapt to all these new rules and pricey ones at that say they can't get through to the ministry to get clarity on what they have to do. And with his name and shame campaign, a lot of them are really worried that they're going to get vilified unfairly. So is this a question that the province, you know, rushed out the policy too fast? Yes. Um, And they weren't prepared for all the things you have to do for the businesses? And, And if businesses can't get the info they need, should they be punished? Let's bring in Julie Kwasensky to the conversation. She's the Director of Provincial Affairs of Ontario's Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Julie, the province rushed this policy out, and they're going to name and shame businesses that don't follow the rules. But as I understand from the CFIB, the businesses can't get through to the Labour Minister. That is very true. As a matter of fact, people who are members of CFIB, they rely on us to make those calls. There's kind of a culture of fear now. Businesses are actually afraid to make the calls themselves under this new era of enforcement over customer service. So when our business counselors, Alex, when they try to get through to the ministry to clarify gray areas on some of the changes, they are really having a hard time getting through. At the beginning of the year, they would try around 14 times. We actually kept track of the numbers. And still, several weeks later, the government is still unprepared. It still takes about five or six tries to get through. And our point in all this has been, Alex, the government should have been ready. The government has positioned this publicly as the largest overhaul of employment standards and labor relations legislation in over two decades. They should have been ready. There's no excuse. They are having a webinar on the personal emergency leave provisions on January 29th, which obviously is a month into it. It's way too late. This is an unacceptable level of customer service from a government that should have known better and should have been prepared. Well, they certainly were prepared on the weekend. I saw Kevin Flynn uh, posing in a picture with the people that he had just hired to go out and do all the investigations. He's quite proud of this team. And yet I'm thinking, okay, so he's going to send these people out to see if businesses are, are breaking the rules. But if the businesses can't access government help of what exactly the rules are, is that not, you know, problematic? It is. It's uh, a catch-22 situation, as they say. We have businesses that want to comply, yet how do you comply if you don't know what you're complying with? So hypothetically, as a very easy example, an inspector could walk into a small business and demand the new Employment Standards Act poster, which, by the way, was only available on January 2nd. If that poster is not up on the wall, 
they could be fine. The fine used to be around $300. I may be off. It's three something. That fine will increase by 30%. And we're talking about a poster on the wall here. The business's name could be publicly shamed on a website. And that's not all. The Director of Employment Standards has a number of other sweeping powers including issuing warrants, placing liens on personal property, setting interest rates, holding securities, collecting and sharing personal information. I mean, even the RCMP would be quaking in their boots hearing that a director of employment standards has so much power. And our businesses are very concerned, Alex. They're scared. There's a culture of fear. They want to comply. They don't know what to comply with. And we're looking at a situation where if the government thinks that there are bad employers out there, use a precision scalpel approach to find the problem. Mm -hmm. Don't paint everyone with the same broad brushstroke, which is what what is happening now. It's like saying that all businesses are bad. You're guilty until you prove yourself innocent when the employment inspector shows up. Right. And as we've seen how damaging it is, I mean, now Tim Hortons is being protested countrywide. And so do you get the sense or is there a feeling that the government, the provincial government is going to use this for political reasons, that if they can start shaming a whole bunch of businesses, paint them as bullies, then they can kind of win over uh, those who, who, who may not be making a minimum wage or those who are, are really for this, this increase? Well, I think we're seeing the lines being clearly divided, obviously for political reasons, because from the get-go, Alex, we've been saying that the government is doing this not to help low-wage earners. It's about helping themselves get reelected, And by pitting the employee against the employer, you have the perfect story, the protagonist and the antagonist, the polarization which works into an election, because we all know that polarizing issues are emotional. They drive people to the polls, either for or against. And by pitting the employee against the employer, there's the added benefit to the government of perhaps reaping the benefits of additional union support, because the unions will swoop in like vultures when they sense there's a situation of the pitting of the employee against the employer. That will grow the union numbers and grow the union coffers, and then split the vote that was traditionally with the NDP, give it more on the government side, and hence the government reaps some union support. We all know that story. Yeah. It happens every election. And it's happening now uh, with the OFL going out and, and, and pioneer or cheerleading these, uh, these protests. But, you know, let me ask you this. What are your clients, what are businesses saying to you, um, you know, when they aren't exposing themselves? What are they telling you? They are actually demoralized. They're demoralized. They can't believe that this government is treating them like dirt. They are job creators in this province. You can look at the latest Statistics Canada numbers for Ontario. They will tell you 87.3% of all jobs created in the private sector are created by small and medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. 
to, so to be shat upon to such a degree to have a policy thrust on them, $14 minimum wage, then $15 starting Jan 1st next year, without being consulted on whether they can afford it, without doing the evidence, and then the government feigns surprise when businesses take steps that they are forced to take because they're trying to survive. And again, I see tweets. There's one from the Premier today with the word profit. What profit is the Premier talking about? These are small businesses that owners can't even pay themselves or they pay themselves last. I don't know where the appreciation will ever be seen from this government in terms of accepting what it takes to run a small business in this province. We're not talking about profits here. We are talking about people drowning. Yeah, and I've only got about 30 more seconds, but, you know, the the, the federal government uh, took a a, a same approach when they kind of vilified businesses for speaking out against the tax cuts, and it didn't go very well for them. Absolutely not, and you're seeing the same theme there. Using small businesses, not big ones, the little businesses, small businesses, as your political punching bag to score political points. And I'll tell you, we hear it from our members every day. They are demoralized and they're sick and tired of being kicked around when they create jobs. And this picture being painted of them by both governments as villains is untrue. They are job creators and they also contribute to their communities. They give to charities. Buy hockey sweaters, put their name on hockey sweaters, sponsor teams. And now they're being forced to do things like raise prices to make ends meet, to pay the higher labor costs, cut jobs, and the government is saying, oh, the feigning surprise when they were told months ago this would happen. Very sad, Alex, very sad. Indeed it is. Thank you for joining us, Julie. My pleasure. That's Julie Kwisinski. Tough name, tough name. Uh, she is with the CFIB, and they are getting all sorts of uh, phone calls from their members just saying, we just can't do this. This is not what we signed up for in the province of Ontario.